0: I never thought about money much. Well, not until I realised that I was on my own out in the world after my parents died and I started my first job, age 22, at Harrods. I was so happy that I got that job. I was so happy that I'd started my career in the best retail emporium, that I didn't look too much at the wages. I just kind of kept my head above water, just. And that was the way it was for quite a while until I got the big job, creative director of Harvey Nichols, age 31, and I was on the board. And I got that job because I knew that what I had done with Harvey Nichols had made it famous. People talked about this store, and I knew that the people who owned that business were making a lot of money. And so I decided to push that little bit more and ask for more. And it was more than just about what I thought my self-worth was. What really propelled me forward was when I found out that the finance director was on more than me because they look after the money. That's where the power is. And what I was so angry about was there wouldn't have been money had it not been for the great retail emporium that was created by the creatives. And so I left and I set up my own business, but you know what I did? I handed the reins of money over to the men, to the finance people, to keep their eye on it. I kind of knew what was going on. Of course, I did with my business. But I still felt in the back of my mind that their knowledge and their power was greater than me. Somewhere deep down, that female soft part of me was, yeah, it takes a bloke, a ballsy bloke, to look after the hard stuff. And over those years, a couple of times, I got burnt. I had to give away money because I'd let someone else make those decisions. And for the past 20 years, I've not let anybody touch my money. They can manage it. They can look at it. But it's my responsibility. Because here's the thing. Money, girls, gives you freedom to make choices. It gives you freedom, even if you haven't got that much money, to know what you can and what you can't do. Don't. Hand it over to anyone else. We don't want that to tip the balance on where our life journey is, but it's important and we need to talk about it and we need to manage it and we need to know exactly where our money's going. Whether you're in a partnership, whether you're married, whether you're living with your partner, whether you're in a business where your partner is taking control of the money, don't let it happen. Because here's the thing money gives you freedom, money gives you choice. And that is how we will move forward in the world. hello we are back in portas hq this is work like a woman i'm in the kitchen upstairs this is me mary portas and i'm with emily bryce perkins did you hear my bangles go there
1: this Can is you hear that
0: like emily. a reindeer like, <laughs> i know it's too, oh, too early for that ching, ching,
1: ching. although it's not too early you went to prep today didn't you yeah. They did the launch yesterday. of Their Christmas sandwich. Everyone wearing um, Christmas hats. Music going. I know,
0: and I went in today, and no one had the Christmas hats on. You <laughs> know, and I was a bit disappointed because <laughs> I went in purposely because you all came I back excited. Because we were going on about it. And I went ding dong and sort of galloped in there, and everyone was like, "Yeah, can I help you?" Ding dong. So what else um, has been happening?
1: What are you saying earlier? You got a phone call this morning. No,
0: I got a phone call from the Daily Mail, which normally fills me with absolute horror, but it is a normally journalist. Normally it's an I go, call. Uh,
1: boom, bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have answered it, but it was Marks and Spencer that just put out their latest figures, and I think it was something like minus 17% on their women's fashion, and she said, "Did you know, have you got a comment? And I said, oh, it's too long, um, because I'm in the middle of writing. My TED Talk, and it's all around the kindness economy, and it's absolutely the antithesis of the way that business has been run. The kindness economy is about feeling and understanding people's needs and connecting your business to them with truth, integrity and meaning. Now that's not to say Marks and Spencers hasn't been good in the past, but all they worry about is how you can grow profit and the world has changed. But they're still harping on in the same way and they're still blaming the economy and actually this other business is doing very well.
1: I wonder what the Christmas ads will be like this year if they'll have got up to speed with the kindness economy.
0: Oh, I just think it's that polishing a turd.
1: <laughs> That's the yeah. quote you should have given the males. Yes, what do you think to Marks and Spencer's fashion
0: collections <laughs> and the fact they're down 17% and their Christmas ad will be Rolling a
1: Turd in, in Glitter. Blitter. Right, let's talk about something sensible. So, This is
0: business. (laughs) This is the biggest retail
1: chain. This is a business podcast. Right, so Japan. The work culture in Japan is known around the world for being incredibly hierarchical, really hardcore. They even have a word called karoshi, which is for death by overworking. So they're not exactly, you know, putting themselves on a world stage as a pleasant place to work. However, Microsoft Japan this week just announced some results where they trialed four-day weeks all the way through August. And surprise, surprise, it went incredibly well. Staff were really happy. Um, productivity went up by 40%. Over 90% of the staff said they really enjoyed it, want to want to carry on doing it. The company saved money. They changed all their meetings to only 30 minutes during the week. They used le- less electricity, less paper. It was a massive oh, success.
0: How much sense does that make?
1: I love that their productivity levels skyrocketed 40% when it closed their doors. For one more day a week
0: you see we've got it wrong we've got the way of working wrong for so many years we've got the highest in the well in this country the number one illness is depression and stress brought about by work and we are losing money now on this and our planet's suffering so come on businesses wake up there's another way to do work
1: learn from roger whiteside he was talking about that wasn't he on, on the last series from mr gregs as we called him oh mr Gregs. flexible working he did but send anyway. us
0: by the way he did everybody who's listening remember i moaned on <laughs> that he didn't send us any sausage rolls well the van turned up let it me did. tell you outside Portas agency <laughs> hq the gregs van arrived they
1: didn't last long we it was very funny
0: especially seeing all the women across the road from <laughs> stylist magazine looking at the <laughs>
1: <laughs> the agency lost the plot, but we loved it. Yeah, no, we loved it. Thank you. Right, who have we got on this week? This week we have Jude Kelly. Jude. Oh. Jude Kelly is a British theatre director um, from Liverpool don't know why that's important but she's maybe important, just, it important. she's important to Northern Girl. she also founded Women of the World Foundation which is now a festival and when she was at the South Bank you know that is that's the place for culture isn't it it's just the yeah. it's the biggest cultural institution in London if not the UK and she was there for a bloody long time she
0: was brilliant because she went in as creative director there and she just changed it I mean you know of course you know the South Bank we've got this incredible you know theatres performance and she managed all of that and then she saw an opportunity to do some about women and she started Women of the World it was called the WOW Festival I don't know how many I think it's 10 years ago now if I'm right yeah it was a long
1: time yeah a long time ago
0: and uh, she had this wonderful way of just picking the phone up and saying could you come and talk at it there was no money <laughs> and uh, you'd say oh uh, well, i'm a bit busy that such oh, no, we need you to come and talk and then you'd find you turn up to talk a it and you'd find that there was you were next to these incredible women who had made so much change in the world who had also just casually gone along on a saturday morning or a you know a sunday morning to just
1: give their time because it
0: was the right thing to do.
1: Absolutely. She gives a platform to women from many different backgrounds as well. Like she'll bring down a load of schoolgirls from Leeds or whatever, you know, women that would never have an opportunity to talk. It's, it's really so, funny. So, so she so does, weird.
0: she puts them, she brings all these young girls that maybe not have an opportunity to yeah. go down yeah, a big career path and she takes the um, the big, what's the pod down at the South Bank? The big oh, the wheel, the, the eye. The width, the, the eye. Eyes. <laughs> she <laughs> takes that, right? Yeah. And she calls all different, you know, women who have, you know, achieved in life and, and, and are older and give back to these young girls and give oh, them wow. just chats, 15-minute chats. So I was one day in a pod with well, Julie Walters. Oh, no, yeah. you weren't. <laughs> I was in with Julie Walters. Cathy <laughs> Newman from Channel 4 News, uh, the MP... Stella Creasy yeah. and me I can't remember if there's a few others anyway we, and then all these girls come in and they have 15 minutes with you then they jump out of that pod and they go
1: to the next one and another lot come in it was absolutely brilliant her latest project that she's, she's going to talk to us about is Smart Purse I think yeah. you, you knew a bit about that already didn't you she um, she basically noticed well she set it up with Olga I should mention um, Olga Miller and they set it up because they were tired of seeing the narrative around money with women Is women are patronised and there's sort of these massive systematic disadvantages advantages that affect us birds um, and we sort of always you know I mean I'm heterosexual relationships but often it's you know it's the man that that deals with the money um as you will find out money's where the power is in those relationships so they they asked women what women felt um, would be helpful and the answer was they just wanted a sort of knowledge and networking platform it wasn't about um sort of a financial advice it was about financial education and that's what this is it's a financial toolkit for women called smart purse so she's going to talk to us about that
0: but first we're going to go back to i think it's the 70s again when jude would have gone. First into the world of work. And that Jude Kelly,
2: she told a fib. She told a fib. She told a porcupine. She did. (laughs) I was 22, and I pretended I was 24, because I'd gone for a job <laughs> at the Royal Court as a director, as the director of the Who was the creative there?
0: director there then? Max Ma- Stafford-Clark. Oh, I remember, yeah, okay, we've got another one there. I remember, yeah, 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 <laughs> and, yeah uh, I remember that
2: one. And, and when I, he said, and he, and he was, you know, it was, sometimes you have these experiences as a young woman, where you feel you're being toyed with, played with. You know, hopefully not too too physically, but I was giving all this, like, this is my vision and this is what I was going to do and everything. And he said, How old are you? And he said, I said, I'm 22. And, And he just burst out laughing. And he kind of more or less said, Well, why don't you go away and come back when you're a bit more grown up? Of course, you come out of the room and go, F you so the next interview for the job actually I really did want to do which was running a big community touring company founding it in fact in Hampshire I said I was 24 and then I lived with an anxiety for the next three years in case anybody <laughs> found out that I was younger than I said I was but, but I mean that was my first experience of like having a real dream to be a theatre director which I had from when I was 12 sort of battling my way to work out how I could do that because I didn't come from an artistic background or anything like that going to university to study drama to be a director and then having the male lecturer Tell me that that was a ridiculous idea for a girl, and that you know there was no such thing as women directors. Although they said, "Oh no, there's been three. There's Joan knight who's a lesbian. There's uh, Joan Littlewood, who's retired, and there's Buzz Goodbody, who's just killed herself." Which would you like to be? (laughs) And and, you know that's sort of you you remember these things because they burn into you. They're humiliating. They're supposed to be funny. What are you supposed to do with that information? And uh, fortunately. And it's just the luck of the draw. I've got the kind of personality that goes, "Okay, well, I'll use that as a I'll never forget you did that to me. I'm going to prove you wrong. But I early on met up with a lot of women in the creative field who were much older than me, who talked a great deal about, you know, the sacrifice they made, often like deciding not to have children. Mm. because they just didn't see how they could do both. Mm-hmm. And, and and they were right in some ways. Mm-hmm. I did have children. Mm-hmm. I made sure that I did have children. But that's still a very hard road to walk. And so at a certain point, whether you're in the creative world or the financial world or any of the worlds that are traditionally quite segregated in work, you close back into this idea that as a woman, you've got to find a way that you can live your entire life And make change happen domestically as well as professionally. And in that respect, it doesn't matter whether you're in the theatre or whether you're a doctor or whether you're a lawyer or whether you're in Tesco's checkout, you'll have most of the same pressures. We met um, many years ago when
0: I came and did a talk for you at the South Bank on... um, how we as women underestimate the power of us as um, being able to affect change, particularly around the fact that most women within families, whatever, make most buying decisions, Mm. which is uh, and I was looking at the high street and the role of the high street and how you know, the high street really should be about community and social capital. And if you put social capital at the heart of, you know, communities, economic capital follows. And I got laughed out of government, Eric Pickles. Anyway, when you look at them today, you go, well, do you know what? I'm kind of glad that it didn't work with those Muppets.
2: Um, Yeah, but I I just must say, I'll never forget that speech you gave. You know, the ballroom was packed. I think there were about a thousand women there or probably more, and you talked about you know, the power that we had, that we have unrealized power as yes. consumers, yes. not just to make sort of choices about, you know, which washing powder we'd like, but the ethics of consumerism. Absolutely. And you were absolutely right. It's it, You were red hot on that day. Suddenly women kind of went, oh, I'd never thought of that. And it's still not really been leveraged that power at all has it exactly and here's the thing
0: we're now got to this place in the world and I was doing a a lecture yesterday in Amsterdam on that that you know I talk about and um, that kindness really is the new commercial if you Mm. don't Mm -hmm. put this into business if you don't put it into brands this next generation are just not going to connect because the values that they hold dear that we kind of just let and pushed away certainly in my world, not in yours, in the artistic. I went into, you know, the consumerism full-on, baby, selling those luxury goods. Um, that we have the power to make those choices and these massive businesses where there was power. Mm. And I, I know I use that word too much because I can't think of anything else and I'm not being as articulate as you. Um, we, we can make that change happen. We can stop them killing our earth by making these choices And I also talk about for our families because invariably, even the decisions that are made through what car's being bought, I'm looking at Matt, my producer, (laughs) because he's just got two little bubbers. We have major influence over those because, you know, will the kids fit in there? Does the boot Mm -mm. big enough? And yet we don't use it. And and somehow I suppose I'm thinking there needs to be some party, and I know Sandy and the gang did the, the women's party, but somehow we need to harness this in a way that I think huge swathes of women do not know they have the ability to make yeah, this change yes
2: I, I agree and I mean you know <laughs> the, 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 the areas that women have traditionally been excluded from and therefore exclude themselves by saying I'm not really interested it's not really for me cars being an example financial services being another yeah. um, actually these are the places that we, we've got to bring our voices to the table you know because you helped me just you know, t- t- talk to me about this. about this is really
0: important because we were talking about this because this is I, I really believe this dude you, you've started a, 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 a business where you're looking at empowering basically and giving knowledge to women on finance I am. Is, that, is that as yeah, simple absolutely. as it comes? financial Explain education to for women yeah. it's called
2: smart purse okay yeah. so this this is how it came about yeah. at wow over the years we have many panels talking about everything you know, from childbirth to politics of, of afro hair everything We started to do some money panels. You know, what what do you know about money? What do you feel about money? And I thought that the women would want technical questions answered, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that at all. It was so emotional. Women kind of admitting that they, you know, they they were scared to open envelopes, that they didn't know what their mortgages were, that their pension was in their husband's uh, name and they didn't really know how much it was, that that they'd just got divorced and they realised that they didn't know anything. I mean, it was was like a car crash of suddenly realising that women of all ages and all backgrounds... I agree. 2019. Like suddenly realising that they don't have enough knowledge about money. So... I actually went to a group of women uh, in the insurance sector who had already sort of started a women's supper club and said, look, why don't we create something? We called it Insuring Women's Futures. And it was a two year research project that analysed where women's finances in this country really are. And the statistics are unbelievably dreadful. You know, a woman of the same age and background as any man will be five times poorer than a man by the time she's 60, five yeah. times poorer. Because and of the pension as well isn't it? And it's everything, the, the, the it's it's to do with the choices you make at 15 to do soft subjects not hard subjects mm-hmm. and the pay that will then go with that is, you know, a woman takes eight years longer to pay back her student grant but the pay that she'll get on average will be much less than a man it's Why does that?
0: That's unbelievable. I know.
2: It's also because although women might get equal pay in some contexts, they don't get the same bonuses, they don't get the same share rights. I mean, that's if you're in a place where you get bonuses and share rights. If you start doing part-time work because you'll have a child, you'll lose your pension, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll Mm -hmm. go down. you come back to to a lower paid job. And it goes on and on and on. And then by the time... (laughs) Sorry sorry to be so bleak, everybody. (laughs) No, but Um, this is something that we need to highlight. It's incredibly important. And so... Anyway, when I realised that this was almost like an invisible disability, that women, you know, women were going to end up poor, and not just that, but they are uh, their children, uh, since women do most of the educating you know, at home in that respect. Children are mirroring their mothers in this respect. You know, my my dad does everything. And, of course, sometimes the fathers feel they should be doing finance because that's what, like, a man does. And the poor men, obviously, are completely hopeless occasionally at it, but they can't tell anybody. So sometimes people get into things where they've taken out second mortgages and they don't realise when the man and the woman get divorced at 47, which is the average, um, the man takes the pension, the woman takes the house, the pension keeps growing, the house has to get split. You know, there's so many conventions. And traditionally, men and women just don't talk about money because it's a very touchy subject. So anyway, I uh, met up with um, a friend of mine, Olga Miller, who was at UBS doing all the financial mm-hmm. things for women. And uh, she left UBS it, and the two of us started this new thing called purse We're just about to launch it. It's people are very excited by it. It isn't financial advice. We're not financial advisors. It's financial education. So it's a bit like Fitbit and Weight Watchers, mm. but for finance. It's a way of going through all kinds of stages about not just how what your money is, but how you feel about your money, what you want to do with your money, whether you've thought about certain things. And then we're going to train a whole range of financial advisors, women of which there are hardly any financial advisors, we're going to train them up in how they give not only technical knowledge, but, you know, understand what a woman's life is. Because a woman's priorities when she wants to put money into things or save or whatever, they can be quite different from a man's. So yes, I'm on a mission, Mary. <laughs> no, I'm with you on this
0: completely. No, I really, really am on this with you completely because um, I've, seen, I've seen it happen with so many of my friends. I've even seen what one of the interesting stats was even pocket money from from parents when they start to give out pocket boys money. Boys get more than girls. Boys get more than girls. And I started to think, oh gosh, I've got two boys and a girl. But I know even the way that my son approached money was very different from my daughter and it really was. And I, I genuinely, you know, you can see that he, but he also saw his response to do that. He felt that that was his responsibility yes. as a young man. Even dating. I remember when he started dating when he was 18, he was like, well, I've had to pay for the meal. I said, like, why? Why aren't you picking this up? And he was... So it's also, you know, an yeah. education that, what you said, you do not have to be the person that does this. I mean, mm. how
1: is it for you? Um, I'm. Yeah, I need to learn a bit more. It's just making me think I yeah, need you're person to person launch immediately. So <laughs> you, I mean, launch. you've left it to your um, man, have you? Yeah... Yeah, no. no,
2: You're an archetypal person. So, so people keep on saying to me, (laughs) "Yeah, but the younger generation are different." I said, "I'm telling you, they're not." Then they say, "Yeah, but if you're an educated woman," I'm saying, "I'm telling you, that's not the case." And and so, you know, I don't know you, but you're obviously educated and solvent and presumably in a reasonably... Yeah, yeah, no, uh, my
1: husband... It's a, a classic thing where, you know, the bills are split, so I know how much I've mortgaged, all that kind of stuff. But then, with the things that I associated with being slightly more grown up, I think also the problem is, because he has his own company, I'm like, oh, well, you can kind of... Yeah, you, you oh. sort the pension and the life insurance. And I went to all the meetings and was a bit like, is this... I mean, he said when I, in the meetings I was just there sort of not paying attention, rolling my eyes. It's terrible, it's my future. But uh, I just the, thought, well... And the
2: financial advisors won't really be looking at you, they'll be no. talking to him. yeah, yeah. So there's a kind of a wheel that goes round that ends up with women just disconnecting uh, and then thinking well he does all that stuff so it's up to us we've got to reconnect we've got to realise it's important we can't you're talking about the 47 year old I've got a mate who's exactly that age and just going through a divorce
0: and um, she was a really bright spark in, in, in the media world, really just top of her game. And, um, you know, met her, her partner quite relatively young, you know, just out out, out of university. And, um, you know, she was always like, well, go getting one. I was, and just landed the big jobs and um, then decided to have kids. And he was um, in a big sort of finance company. So he said, "We well, you know, I'll, I'll stay on and sort of work. And she sort of took the back seat because her job made travelling and the whole thing, you know where it's going. You know, the old divorce hits the wall and he absolutely knew exactly what game to play and what where the finance was going to go and she had let him take it over and that is the biggest thing that she just said is why. This is educated top of a game woman why did I let that do so Emily yeah. Bryce Perkins let me tell you you never know and know. especially when you hit those walls but it's this that knowledge of money having to have d- d- done it myself for quite a few times and run a business it is one of the most freeing things mm. it is like that, that even if I stood on the back of a
2: notepad I knew where my money was going yes. you know? I, I, just, I think that there's there's various things that women have been groomed to feel are a bit distasteful,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, like we don't really talk about money, we don't really talk about ambition, mm. you know, we, we didn't used to talk about sex, but that's you know more or, more or less it changed, changed now. Philip Perry was there. <laughs> so, but you know, there was like we were kind of yeah. quite gagged on certain kinds of things, and after all, we were still property for a very long time. Mm. Couldn't sign checkbooks until until 1974. So, I think that what we've got to do is. Like with so many things, we've got to understand why this is a perilous situation for women to be so much poorer and therefore teaching our daughters to also be poorer. What you've just said about liking the idea of money, there's nothing wrong with money. You, If the more you've got of it, the better you're able to use it well to have influence for mm. better change. Mm. Mm. So, you know, make money and become a fantastic philanthropist. The, make exactly. money and invest in the charity of your choices. You know, make money and stop so many people being on the streets being homeless. I mean if you have the ability to be solvent or even to be rich I don't think that's an ugly thing for a woman to contemplate. It's it totally depends on what you do with it.
0: But it is interesting, though, because, again, I'm talking about the, the sort of the new value system that's coming in there. When when you and I were at the height of our whatever's at the 80s, when it was the what I called the, the status symbols, the bling mm. culture, you know, I have, therefore, you know, I am. Was that Barbara Watson and Kruger? Um <laughs> That that whole kind of statement that money said, you know, you had the de Marcos's with this ridiculous amount of shoes, or we'd we'd have a full page in in, um, in in the Sunday Times on one of those what's his name, that small racing driver guy who's oh, worth Bernie Ecclestone et- oh his daughter. Like it was the worst kind of bad taste, and even you know the fashion press was this the it bag to have. It was about more more more. Yes, really interestingly see how that's changed. Yes, it's vulgar. Vulgar. It's mm-hmm. vulgar. But that doesn't mean that money can't be used in a good way. And I talk about kindness being the new commercial within mm-hmm. brands, mm-hmm. within business, within the way we work, within the way we connect with people, people, planet and profit. Because if you don't have the profit, mm-hmm. we won't be able to make those change happen. And I think that's a really kind of wonderful position for for women with money because I think that's a new place Yes, for money as well.
2: I, I think you're right. I think what we have to do is look at all the th- places that we uh, that where power has existed, and say, okay, we've been generally encouraged to feel power is distasteful. Mm. But if we were to look at all those places and say, well, maybe we've been encouraged to think we're, they're distasteful because nobody wants us to be in those spaces. Mm. If we were in those spaces, what would we what would we do differently? Yes. And yes. would we bring different values? Well, obviously, we've got to. Otherwise, what's the point, really? I mean, we, you know, when we talk about white feminism, the problem of white feminism... What white do you mean right- by white feminism? OK, so um, women of colour generally feel, and, and I think they're right, that the conversation about women's rights has traditionally been dominated by white women of the West thinking that they were the best person to articulate what equality looked like without taking on board the fact that they were also maintaining a society that had inbuilt racism or maintaining a society that had had inbuilt disadvantage with regard to class and with regard to disability, with regard to LGBTQ rights. You know, a lot of the kind of conversations amongst you know like how do you get more women on boards how do you get more women in the, you know on the, on the ft100 all, all of those sorts of things i mean well not, like feminist issues rather than people they, of color it, issues they right. weren't okay. taking on board the 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 whole needs yes. of all yes. women yes. and i think that is changing it has changed yes. um but i think that there you know there's we've got to recognize that power is layered and You know, if you are like, so I have a son and he's 30, and he has just bought a new car. Mm. And he is never, unless he's doing something stupid, gonna get stopped by the police three Mm. times a week. Yeah. Mm. Because they think, well, what's this young man doing driving this new car? Whereas my friend, whose son is black, has exactly that all the time. But there's also another side to that, which, um,
0: like, when it was the um, all the activists in... Um, and I always forget the name of the group that came out of my Australia extension area. Extension Rebellion. Yeah, a terrible name. Terrible name. But anyway, um, <laughs> Extension Rebellion. Rebellion yeah, right? extension. And, they're all very, and, and everybody's like, oh, it's all the middle classes with their Waitrose bags going around there. And, like, so many people said that to me. You know, we, we, we can't get this... All that sort of nice middle-class people. I think also, likewise, I think...
2: Well, if they don't do it, who is going to do it? Yes. And there is a part of me there. There's nothing, I don't think that one should ever be snotty about middle class people with Waitrose bags doing whatever they can (laughs) to be disruptive. I think that's a very, (laughs) very good sign in a society. And, And of course, when somebody stands up and says, I'm going to make a change happen, then applause. All I'm saying is that we have asked men to really try to understand the many different kinds of ways that they have held women back. And white women have got to also look with the same forensic lens at ways that we have been part of holding black women back Yes, because we've overlooked in terms of job opportunities. We haven't, we haven't supported them. We haven't thought enough. Yeah. So, you know, mo- entitlement is basically thoughtlessness Yes. Um. you, you just don't recognise what you've got going for you and how that might mean some other people are serving your needs. Yes. And I think the, the accusation against you know, white feminists, if, if you like, is that they haven't been thinking enough about intersectionality, about inclusion, about what that really, really requires of us all. And I think that's exciting. And again, going back to the young feminists, I think some of the young voices who are really coming from so many different kinds of backgrounds are saying, "Look, can we look at the, you know, the, the, the whole world and all the power structures within it, not just a white man to a white woman?" You know, that that is what I suppose I'm talking about. One last question for you, because we're going through probably one of the worst times that we've ever gone
0: through in politics. Ah. Uh, I, I know, I know. Yes. We're, we're going to bring it up because it's just worst so, just... so far. <laughs> Do you think, and I'm maybe it's my hope, Jude Kelly, maybe it's my hope, do you think it's like the Buddhists say you can never learn you can never grow until you've hit that wall or you've crashed? Mm. Do you think this could possibly crash and we could see a new movement coming through that completely swipes out those awful, toxic male alpha culture that's just killing our society? Mm.
2: Well, I, I certainly think that the, what the arrival of Trump... And not just Trump, but you know yeah. other forces around the world, and the, the the arrival of similar voices in this country. Yes. I think what what and that has done and coming in Germany and across from we're seeing it. Right it presented across. a very the very stark reality that you know progressive thinking is fragile, mm. and because it it people are moved out of unser, out of certainties and sort of dogged ideas into new areas and. People find that very uncomfortable and difficult and often they don't feel included in those conversations. So I think it has exposed to us the fact that we really need to fight very hard for what a different world could look like. And I think you're right that at this point when it, it become very stark against kind of popularism, nationalism and a reduction of of the rights of many minorities and i th- i include women in that even though we're 50 percent of the world i yeah, mean of course and i think that we do have we've got to kind of gather the stamina and the optimism to say well it looks bleak now that's the moment we've really got to make change happen yeah it is now isn't it
0: it, it is, now. is now and i suppose just any young woman and it will be the next generation it's not us we can be out there lodging it and, and shouting about it and and trying our best mm. We've still got a few years, right? I think We've still so. got a few years doing it. No, but <laughs> I mean that it's like, but it is that next generation, and I, and you know, I have a, children of that generation who still not sure they've got the power, and I suppose, I want, I want them to hear your voice. I yeah, want them. To, they, they have to take it because they they're to. entitled
2: to it. Yeah you know they're entitled to it and, and actually in a sense I think it, they are the people who are inspiring energy in the older generation I agree to I totally and utterly agree mm-hmm. I like them <laughs> I like you
0: too Jude <laughs> Kelly <laughs> I love you. you very
1: much <laughs> Thank you to Jude I think I, I can't remember sitting in front of a person that I found more articulate than Jude the way that woman delivers a sentence. And obviously you're amazing as well, sorry. Well,
0: right. no, I, I, you know, thanks for that. I don't need that. As you know, I let go of my ego a long while ago. Sort um, of.
1: Kind of. Um, we all have ego. That's what helps drive us forward. Gives oh, confidence. See, well, actually, Gives us confidence
0: You see, that's what we have to lose. That's what Eckhart Tolle says, and he's my favourite person okay. in the world when we'll it comes
1: to... Get, we'll get to that quoted in a minute, um, mm. but just for now, um, thank oh. you so much for listening. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can email us on worklikeawoman at portasagency.com. Oh, and next week, we have Toby Wiseman, who's the editor of Men's Health. We have a man, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, and and a he's, great Yeah, they are doing some brilliant things over there, so we're looking forward to speaking to Toby. And now, Mary Portas...
0: Well this is Eckhart Tolle. About 15 years ago I found his book and he often talks about his work you discover it when you need it and um, it was a book called A New Earth and I read it and I realised I I'd got the world all wrong and I've tried to be woke (laughs) (laughs) and I've tried to be evolved and every so often I when I fall off the path which is quite often I try and pull myself back on and I read him and I listened to him, and he's extraordinary. This quote, "'Give up defining yourself to yourself or to others, "'because you won't die. "'You will come to life. "'And don't be concerned with how others define you. "'When they define you, they are limiting themselves.'" So that's their problem. Whenever you interact with people, don't be there primarily as a function or a role, but as the field of conscious presence. You can only lose something that you have, but you cannot lose something that you are. The great German philosopher, Eckhart Tolle, from his wonderful book, A New Earth.
1: We'll see you next week for Toby Wiseman.